don't want to keep you here all day. Um, so, like the, um, Rick said, I get to help with the junior youth. Normally, I make the junior youth, though, sit in the first uh, two rows in the fr two front sections, so you guys have all dodged a bullet there. Um, <laughs> There's only two people in, like, the prime seating. Um, so the question today I'm asking is, um, why is Easter even a big deal? Um, does it really matter that much? Um, well, essentially, it is the basis of our entire faith. We wouldn't be here without it um, because prior to him dying and rising again, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he was Lord. He was king. He was God. Um, but even though all of the disciples were actually, they were actually told time and time again um, from Jesus that this was going to happen, and yet they were still surprised to see Jesus come back. Um, I won't go through this whole, I totally know you can't read that, because it was actually read last week um, at your service, but this actually, he came back and he got to tell, this is what they actually thought of him when they, when he, when they saw him come back, that he said they were sad because he was a good prophet. He did many great things. They actually thought he was, um, he was a ghost even when they showed him, he showed himself to them. They got to touch him. He showed them that they could, he could eat. He wasn't a ghost, but yet they still didn't believe that he was God until it says in scriptures in uh, Luke 24, 45, that he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures, the scriptures that really they already knew but some of this stuff was a little convoluted, and so it really took their eyes to be opened. So in the end, did they even, did they end up believing? Well, I'm not going to go through their whole lives, but I will let you know how they died. This will show you if they truly believed. All of these deaths are not quick. They all had time to say, whoa, 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 wait, wait, this was a lie, I'm just joking, we were just having a, you know, playing a game here, but they were crucified, beaten and then crucified, stoned to death, beaten. Um, John was boiled in oil, still got out of that, went to captivity, and continued to write about Christ. Again, stoned to, get to death, speared to death, crucified upside down, crucified, crucified, and again, speared to death and stoned to death. These are brutal ways and long ways to die, and yet they still said, this is truth. There's many more reasons why it's not a lie, but we're gonna go with this one. It's definitely, we're going with truth here. So, if this is true, then we are in this post-Easter world. This post-resurrection, death and resurrection world. And what does it look like? How is it even different from this pre-Easter world? Do we really live a crazy different life than those people before us? It says, um, John the Baptist said, he said, yes, indeed, I." I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which is truly fantastic. So, before versus after. We're going to go with telephones. I'm going to use that as an analogy. Um, I think a lot of here, people here actually had the cord phones where you, you know, you, you wanted a private conversation and the phone was plugged in over there, you grabbed the cord and you brought it into the bathroom and you locked the door. We remember those days. Slightly different from today, 
Um, completely different, actually. Um, back when I was a kid, I have three brothers, and my dad and my mom uh, and my grandparents, we, we split up the, uh, the four of us. Two of them went with my grandpa and my dad, and two of us, the other two of us, we went with my grandma and my mom. We hit the road, and we were going from Edmonton to a place called Cochrane, which is just outside of uh, uh, Calgary. So it's a four-hour trip. Now, this story would never be possible without cell phones. So we get in the car, we get all the way down to um, uh, Red Deer. We get out, and we have something to eat. My dad's kind of making fun of my mom because the kids that he has in his vehicle are sleeping soundly, and yet hers are awake and in the restaurant with us. So we get back in the vehicle, we get all the way to Cochrane, we unload the vehicle, and we go, we're missing a kid. Well, so they get on the phone with the, with the cops, and they say, I think we left him in in Red Deer, because we, they must have got up from a nap, went into the, into the place to go to the bathroom, and we just left without him. So they call back a little while later, and they say, sorry, <laughs> you didn't leave him in, Ed, in uh, Red Deer. You left him in Edmonton at a gas station. So we made it four hours before we eat. Anybody could even contact us about a missing child. So give it a break, though. It's the 90s. We, know, we didn't count heads before we hit the road. Um, but this just wouldn't have been an issue nowadays. You would have been called, and within 30 seconds, your kid has left at a gas station. So life was definitely different in the home phone era. One, you had to be at home to receive any calls. You wanted that call from that person that you had a crush on. You waited at home for days until they called. You also didn't get any other information. There was no Google. I remember when Google came. There was no Google. You had, like, books, these things with paper in them. So everyone in the house had the exact same phone. If not the same phone, it was the same phone line. You ran for the phone. You didn't even have call display. You ran, and you just hoped it was for you, and if it wasn't, it was, yes, I will get Jerry. And you took information. You had to get information about your phone calls from other people. You didn't get all, I, I get all my own phone calls. You didn't get all your own phone calls. Other people got them for you, took down the information if they were kind, and you got to receive that information. I have three brothers. I probably didn't get all my information. So, in the olden days, they had the tabernacle. You had to go to the tabernacle. Not everybody was allowed in the tabernacle, and it was a very serious ordeal. We do not need the tabernacle. Well, we don't have the tabernacle anymore. Prophets, you got all your information from the prophets. You did not have the Holy Spirit giving you information. You wanted information, you got it from the prophets. I'm not saying there's no such thing as prophets now, but you didn't need to get all of your information from them. So the cell phone world that we live in, you get a call anywhere. Down on Baker, you get a call. It's not just I'll meet you on Baker sometime today. Um, you get all the information you need on that thing. It is basically a computer. Everyone can have their own, except for my children. You don't get yours yet, so sorry. And you get your own calls. Praise the Lord. Now, 
What does that mean? How is it similar to the post-Easter world? One, in Galatians 3, 28, it says that neither Jew nor Gentile, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, we are all one in Christ. It doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your, your income, it doesn't matter your gender, you have the ability to be with Christ. And that wasn't the case back then. But now, you look around the room, and I don't think many of you are Jews. We have the ability to sit in this room today because of the post-Easter world we live in. So everyone, everyone. In John 14, 26, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you in my name, in Christ's name. He will teach you all things, and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. He's Google. But you do have to download it first. He says he will teach you all things. The people that say, I don't understand the Bible, I don't quite get it, ask him. Do you really think that God is going to go figure it out yourself? Ask him. He he is longing for us to ask him, say, God, I do not understand this verse. Send someone in my path or give me a revelation to what this verse is actually saying. You think he's not going to say, okay. If your kid came up to you and asked you, I don't understand this, Dad. I don't understand this, Mom. You, what would you say to them? Figure it out yourself. <laughs> Google it, right? He longs to give us the answers for his scripture, for his words, his understanding. And then, he, when you're in a situation, he will bring it to your remembrance. Now, If you saw one, you saw all three, I know, of Back to the Future. But we're going to focus on the second one, because it was put into the way future of 2015. And in this movie, if you haven't seen it, I will, it's a spoiler alert, they had TVs, phones, that you could see someone on the other line. And Marty was talking to Needles, and he was just, it was mind-blowing. I mean, mind-blowing. What? Marty can actually see the guy on the other side? Are you kidding me? This is crazy. Now, we have these phones that you can FaceTime anytime you want. But it's like the Holy Spirit. Kids, what do they do with it? What are they doing with the phones? They're not, they're, they're certainly not calling their parents. They are, they are pl- watching YouTube. They're playing games. They're doing stuff that you're like, do you understand the amount of power that you hold? And yet you're not tapping into it? Do you fully understand what you have in your hand all the time for Pete's sakes? And all you want to do is, you know, shoot birds and pigs or whatever they do now? You're like, guys. And I'm sure at times God is like, do you fully understand what you guys have inside of you and what you can tap into because you have the Holy Spirit, but yet we don't tap into it. Me included, I need this 
message just as much as anyone. Do we, are we really tapping into that power that we have within us, that he gifts us? This one is a slightly convoluted little verse for you, but I'm going to attempt it anyway. It says in Romans 7, 15 through 25, it says, for what am I doing? For what I do, I do not understand. For what I will to do, I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, then I agree with the law that it is good. But it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For the will is present with me, but how to perform good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I that do it, but the sin that dwells within me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to my inward man. But I see another law working in my members, warring against my mind, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of sin that is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. That is a lot of words. So what I would challenge you today is to say, you don't have a spirit. You are a spirit. You have a body. I call this thing that I walk around in all the time, I call it my earth suit. You take it to the moon and it dies. It doesn't come with me when I die. When this body eventually dies, I myself go somewhere else. Because I am not this body, I am a spirit. If you throw acid in my face, you chop off my arms, I am no longer what you see before you that doesn't change who I am because this is just the shell I have been blessed with to walk on earth. It's our earth suit. In Galatians, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, for you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, for the lusts of the flesh are against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these things are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You're not under the law. 
Why aren't you under the law? Because it's no longer oppressing you. Because you delight, like the previous verse, I delight in the law of God. You actually want to do it. It actually brings you joy to do the law of God. So you're no, 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 no longer under it. But it says, so that you do not do the things that you wish to do, because you are not your earth suit, this thing that's constantly warring against the true you, that inward man, that inward person that you truly are. You go, okay, Sharon, you want me to walk in the spirit? How is that even possible in 2019? What does that even look like? I have found this is the easiest way I feel the Lord has given me to control this thing. I consider my earth suit my pet. These are my dogs. Aren't they darn cute? Oh, thank you. So this is Cooper and Miso. When we first got them, we got them as puppies. And they were great. No, they weren't. They peed everywhere. And they pooped everywhere. And they chewed up my favorite bracelet. I mean, are you kidding me? I had that thing for 10 years. So I love them. But I had to train them. Well, we had to train them. And every time they would do something, we would clean it up. I didn't start crying like I had peed on the ground, but I was responsible for the actions that it did. And I cleaned it up, and I trained it to be under my will. And I view my earth suit very similar, in a sense that it is not me, per se, it is, I'm inside. It's this earth suit that sometimes my spirit can't fully command. And so then I have to clean up the messes that it does, and I am responsible for the messes that it does, and I have to apologize where I need to apologize, and I have to repent where I need to repent. But I take that repentance and I move on walking to the Lord. But I get this earth suit to be under my command. Just like I get my dogs. You don't pull the leash. You are with me. But as cute as these guys are, we don't all come to Christ as babies. This, though, is like our children in Sunday school, coming to junior youth, and they can get the laws in them at the a nice young age, and you can say, great, at least I pray that they would take these messages and that would they pull into the rest of their lives, and that they will be able to control this thing that they are blessed and a little bit cursed to walk around in. But we don't all come to them, come to Christ at this puppy stage. Some of us, a lot of us, have had a bad owner first for many, many years. In John 8, it says, Jesus answered to them, most assuredly, I say to you, whenever you hear that, most assuredly, it means listen up. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. 
I have had people say to me, I don't want to become a Christian because I want to do this. And if I become a Christian, I can't anymore. And I don't necessarily say this to them because it would be slightly offensive. Sometimes I do because the Bible's offensive. But it's because you are a slave to that action. It, mora- it totally hides itself, masking itself as freedom. I am free to sleep with who I want. I am free to look up anything on the internet that I want. I am free to get as drunk as I want, to do what I want. I am in control of this thing that I walk around in. But are you really? People say, I like to smoke. Okay, then quit. See how that works. Do you really like to or do you have to? But regardless on whether or not you had a bad owner or you came to Christ as young or you had a bad owner and thank God every day that you found the good owner so you are a little easier to uh, control this earth suit out of pure thanks, we are all joint heirs with Christ. We are all joint heirs with Christ. But what does that even mean when I say we're joint heirs with Christ? An heir gets every single thing that the other one does. He walked as a man just as we did, are. But sometimes, you know, my dogs, as much as they're like four, I catch them peeing in the house every once in a while. And I'm sure our earth suits, as much as we have trained them to the best of our ability, every once in a while, do a little thing that we go, seriously? That we have to deal with. But what does that look like? We generally have many different things going on in our head, but Satan, he wants us to feel guilty. He puts that guilt on you. God, though, He brings us to conviction. You say, okay, Sharon, guilt, conviction, is there there really a difference? I would say yes. That's why I have a PowerPoint for it. (laughs) Guilt, it brings our head down. If you see this young lady, that's exactly what it does. It brings your head down. As much as phones are really great nowadays, it has made certain things that were not so prevalent in our society become extremely prevalent in our society. And it's at our fingertips now. We don't have to buy things in stores that are maybe not the greatest for us. No one needs to know. So when this ha- these kind of things happen and we're on these things and we're, maybe we're on a site or we're doing something we shouldn't, how does Satan bring guilt into us? He says, Look at you. You are not even worthy. You're a pervert. You're disgusting. You're a sinner. And then you agree with Satan because it feels so true. And you say, I am. I am. I'm just not worthy. I am, I am a pervert. I'm dirty. I'm just gross. I just, I hate myself. 
And God, and Satan goes, yes. And then you get to church and you're in the, in the seat and you raise your hand and you're not doing it hypocritically. You're actually praising the Lord and you're singing to him and you have your hands raised and then Satan goes, look at the pervert worship. And you go, I'm not worthy. And your hands come down and you sit back in your seat and you stop getting close to the Lord and Satan goes, I did it again. They, they, they believed me. And he works on us all the time like that. With every little thing that you do, he's constantly picking away. And it sounds so true because it sounds so right. But that's not how God speaks to us. I'll tell you, it's not how he speaks to us. When he finds you in something that he doesn't like you in, he says, you're so much better than this. You're a child of God. You're joint heirs with Christ. I love you. I have done so much for you and I love you and I want you to come closer to me. Draw closer to me and this won't even be something you desire. But I want you to come to me. He doesn't drive you away. He says you are 100% righteous. Be who you truly are. Right now, you are letting Satan win. And he brings you to him. It brings you to him. Satan wants us to move further and further and further away. But God, he wants us to be closer and closer. Like I read to you in Galatians, it says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When I talk to the youth, there's things in the Bible that are very black and white. And then there's things that just church tries to push on people. And I'm not saying that all those convictions are wrong, but they're a conviction for yourself. And I say to them, all I want you to do to these youth and to people is I want you to get closer to Jesus. The closer you get to Jesus, he'll tell you what to do. He, when it happens and you do something, he goes, you go, oh, that, that didn't feel right. And sometimes they're not like huge things. There's something that seems small, but when the Holy Spirit speaks, he's refining you and tweaking you and getting you to be more like Christ. He's not shaming you and guilting you and moving you away from him. So I say to the youth, get closer to Christ, and I mean it, because that's the way that we get to be more like Christ. You are who you hang out with. We tell our kids that every day. But yet, a lot of us don't hang out with Christ and wonder why we don't, em we don't look like him. But God wants us to live in the power and the freedom that he has for us. Power and freedom. In Hebrews uh, 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. 
yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, then you're trying to tell me that um, what I have read in the Bible can really be done today. Yes, I am saying that. And I'm just going to look at these three people. Um, first one being Jesus. You can tap into what Jesus had. He was a man, and he relied on the Holy Spirit. He walked on water. He fed the 5,000s with meager, meager amounts. He put a man's ear back on his head, and he raised the dead, including himself. It's not impossible. It feels impossible, but it's not impossible. Then you say, okay, Sharon, but I'm not Jesus. And okay, I'll give you that one. We're not Jesus. So we're just going to go to another person that's the meager man that we are, and we're going to go to Paul. Now, Paul, in Acts 19, it says, and I love how this is worded, this first part, in um, verse 11. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. But God did extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. He wants to use us. Don't worry. When these extraordinary miracles come, don't worry. It's not your hands that are doing it anyway. But it's great because I found this out a little while ago. It says, so even that his handkerchief and his apron that had touched him was brought to the sick and diseased and the evil spirits left them. His sweaty rags and dirty apron healed people. Not because he had great faith, because he had faith in the right place. Sweaty rags have power. Dirty aprons can heal. Same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Peter, it says, so they brought people, the sick, to the streets, and they laid them out on beds and couches that at least the shadow just the shadow of Peter as he walked by would just land on some of them. And the surrounding cities of Jerusalem brought their sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Just the shadow. What were they doing with the rest of them? If the shadow, just the, the picture of them on the ground from the sun can heal people, what can we do with this Holy Spirit that lives in every single one of us? It's because we don't fully understand because we've always had it. Just like kids don't fully understand what you have because they've always had it. I played Tetris. They play, I don't know, a lot more intense than Tetris, I'll tell you. They don't fully understand what they have because they've always had it. Everyone in this room, as soon as you came to Christ, you got the Holy Spirit, so you don't fully get it. You have a bank account that you're not tapping into. I have a bank account that I don't tap into. You are rich but sometimes we live like we are poor, but we are rich. What can we do? I've had people say to me, this is the darkest place I've ever been, is Nelson, spiritually dark. 
We are rich. We don't have to be many. We're salt. We, in, we just, you don't need much salt. We are rich. So going back to the first question I had, is Easter a big deal? I would say yes. That's about it. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> Please stand and sing with us. <laughs> 